Please allow me to welcome you to the Chapter 49 podcast, normally a weekly podcast. It's a production of NTEU Chapter 49, representing most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. My name is Larry Lannon. I am a, a volunteer with communications and a retiree. And it wouldn't be a Chapter 49 podcast unless we welcomed Duncan Giles. So, Duncan, this is probably one of the great examples. Of, we've had some snow lately that with all this telework, uh, off days for snow may be a thing of the past. Uh, exactly. And I, I was just reading right before the podcast where basically OPM was saying that to folks in D.C. Oh, so they, that's right. They've had some snow lately. So you just... Take your computer home and expect to work all day, really. That's interesting. Exactly. And that's one of the things, if there is a silver lining to this freaking pandemic, that would be it, that the ability for so many employees who have not been able to telework are now able to do so and do so successfully. And as we've talked about on previous podcasts, uh, the, uh, the management argument that they simply had no ability to set people up, for example, in toll-free, in some cases, taxpayer advocate. There's some other some other corners of IRS where the management said, no, no, we can't do telework. I think uh, we have the data on that now, don't we? Yeah, it's it's pretty overwhelming that it is, you know, it is what we say it is. It is what we thought it was, that there is the availability for so many employees to be able to do um the job remotely and do it effectively. Well, uh, I do want to put in a little plug here because uh, NTU Chapter 49, we do have uh, our own Facebook page and we send out updates regularly. You can like us, follow us. We have over 300 people, almost 400 people now, uh, who either like or follow us. So would you get your news feed uh, on Facebook? I have no idea how their algorithms work, but you should, in most cases, receive in your news feed our updates. And all you have to do on Facebook is go to NTEU Chapter 49 Indiana, and you'll find us. And just follow us or like us, and uh, you'll get our updates. The reason I mentioned that is, is just recently there's been a new flyer that was put out by the National Office of NTEU talking about the victories that NTEU was able to win for employees uh, nationwide. And there are uh, several of them. So let me just, uh, I'd just like to go over and uh, Duncan and I can kind of talk a little bit about each of the five. And if you think of 2020, it was not, um, how should I put it, uh, a federal employee-friendly year in general. So NTEU worked hard, right? We had to work really hard to get what we got. So let's take a look at the first thing. And I think the pandemic had something to do with that. But NTEU, through the pandemic, worked hard, uh, was able to get not just IRS but other agencies represented by NTEU to expand the telework option um, uh to take more advantage to flexible scheduling and leave options that have been around but maybe hadn't been used a lot. And, of course, the whole health and safety issue. I think that's all tied together. And, you know, um, part of it was brought on by the uh, requirements that the pandemic brought on. But I, as we just mentioned a moment ago, I, uh, 
it, it really showed how some of these workplace uh, uh, contract language sections uh, were able to, to, to turn in the employee's advantage. So talk a little bit about all that. Yeah, I really, really, really credit uh, the national NTU folks, specifically uh, National President Tony Reardon, uh, VP Jim Bailey, Director of Negotiations Ken Moffat, and uh, Tony's assistant Doreen Greenwald, mm-hmm. who've just been talking to IRS and other agencies that we represent, be it CBP or uh, Customs and Border uh, Protection, you know, our folks in HHS, uh, you know, all the all the different agencies we represent in pushing every single availability that's out there for folks to work from home, if they have to go in, what kind of leave options they have, what kind of scheduling, how the social distancing, are there cleaning supplies, and following up. You know, we do it for Indiana. Uh, They're doing it nationwide, and they take uh, into consideration and listen very closely to folks like myself across the country at each of the different agencies that tell them, hey, this is what's going on. We need to get an answer from national IRS or whatever the agency is. And they press them and get those answers and get the issues fixed. Yeah. And it's good to know they're listening to you, Duncan, of course. But uh, second thing I want to talk about uh, in the year 2020, on 2021, we uh, federal employees received 1% pay increase. It wasn't much. However, uh, uh, there was a huge headwind wanting no raise. So just the 1% was, was some kind of victory for 2021. Well, people forget it was just about a year ago in 2020 when federal employees saw the largest pay raise we've seen in a long time, 3.1%. Again, in a year where there were plenty of people in Congress and the administration at that time who wanted to freeze our pay, we still were able to to, to, to push hard for a 3.1% percent increase in 2020 which created the base just to get the one percent this year which helped a little but you know these are not easy things to get done in washington so i I think we have to to say that was a huge accomplishment yeah ntu is one of those uh organizations that was pushing very hard our great legislative department uh is on the hill all the time talking to uh Congress people, senators, and staffers um, about the needs of federal employees and a pay raise is a big part of that. And as well, I credit um, the employees all over the country and specifically in Indiana, we're doing much better and we need to keep doing that in letting our uh, representatives and senators know about these types of issues, about the fact that we do need these raises uh, just to keep up with inflation, to keep up with the cost of health insurance, prescriptions, things of that nature. So it's 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 a joint effort by a lot of different people, but it's it's a huge victory. And NTU is at the forefront of pushing for these. Another big gain for 2020, and I I just can't say enough about this because I really really wish that this had been on the books when I was working for the agency. Uh, and 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 it took, it was a long fight. That was paid parental leave. That program has finally gone into place. It took effect October first of twenty twenty, which was just a few months ago. 
But I don't know, Duncan. I, it was talked about for years when I was uh, working for the IRS. Uh, it's finally come about. I think it's, there's been a recognition by government. I usually think this, in some ways we're mirroring the private sector, which is more and more beginning to realize that not just employers, but society in general benefits greatly when mothers and fathers have this paid parental leave. Yeah, this is one of those things. Like you said, it's been being pushed forever. And it NTU has been a huge, huge mover in keeping this in front of uh, the folks in Congress to try and get this done. Because we're one of the very few um, democracies out there that doesn't have this, didn't have this type of option. And like you said, it's so very necessary uh, to have that when you are adopting or you know have a child uh, naturally to have that experience to to start it off. And I just I can't say enough about our folks uh, in Washington that pushed to finally get this over the top and are continuing to fight now uh, for expanded rights. Yes, and uh, we did have Kata Sabenga, the, the the new uh, director of the legislative department at NTU. And I've, I've uh, said this before. If you go to Washington, talk to other people, talk to congressional staff, they'll tell you NTEU has the best legislative program of any federal uh, employee group and, and probably one of the best just in general. So, uh, and, and when you ask where do your dues money go, where your dues money goes, it goes to something like the legislative department, which is out there getting you a raise, getting you paid parental leave, telework, and contract provision. So, uh, just a reminder that when you pay your dues to NTEU, it goes someplace important and it helps you. I think, uh, Duncan, we could probably count on one hand the number of podcasts that we've had here in the last several months since we started this podcast, just a handful where we did not talk about the payroll tax deferral. (laughs) We talked about it all the time, and I think we were really concerned. You and I both were concerned about a couple things. Number one, the fact that employees never wanted this. This was something that the uh, Trump administration wanted, therefore being a uh, an agency uh, that is uh, uh, a presidential agency and under that part of the, the federal government working for the president as part of his cabinet, uh, the president uh, had an uh, executive order about the payroll tax deferral. Very, very few private sector employers t- uh, took this up. Uh, but we had no choice as employees or as a union. We had to take it. And the biggest concern you and I had was, oh, my goodness, how are people going to pay it back? It's a government debt. And if it's forced through withholding, are people going to be able to pay their other debts uh, when when you know uh, more withholding comes? So we, it was not a good situation, but NTEU took it and made the best of it. So um, employees of the IRS are repaying that payroll tax deferral over an entire year, which is, since it was pretty clear it wasn't going to get waived, that was probably the best deal we could get. And our legislative department was at the forefront of getting that done. That's that's in the statute now. Exactly. And that that's who I was going to say, did the yeoman work to talk to uh, the folks on the Hill and explain to them why this was such a ridiculous thing that they had to, that was thrust upon federal employees in the first place and how they can ease the burden on them as best they can if they're not going to make it a holiday. And 
you know, split it over the uh, all the pay periods here in 2021. And one uh, particular uh, provision, it actually was in a Defense Department bill, of, of all things. This is the way things work in Washington. You put something on another piece of legislation, related or not. And in that defense bill, which I believe was actually vetoed by the president, and there was an override of that veto in Congress. You don't see that happen all the time, but that defense bill had a lot of support for other reasons. And our lobbyists and our friends in Congress were able to put as a rider in that bill the ability to carry over additional leave with all the everything we've had to deal with in the pandemic, uh, extra leave to carry over because we've all been working so much is something that uh, that has been done. You have taken, you've got to roll the dice and you uh, have taken advantage of this. Talk more about it. Yeah, that was, that was one of those things that was occurring late, very late in the year, as we both know. And like you said, the president had threatened to veto this bill and did actually veto it. People were asking me, should I take this leave? Should I donate it? Am I going to be able to carry it over? And I said, everybody's going to have to make their own individual decision on this. I believe that the that if it does get vetoed, it will get overridden because this is a must-pass. The defense bill is always a must-pass bill. And um, I took an additional 24 hours uh, over the 240 that I usually carry over. Because as you and I both know, I always take a lot of leave. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I and can't... said, okay, I'm going to gamble that I'm going to be able to include this. So I was able to take an additional. So now I rolled over and said 240, 264 hours into 2021. I am very sad that the IRS didn't really advertise the possibility of this so more employees could take advantage of it. You know, we tried to get the word out as best we could, but it was late in the year. People already had their plans. But I'm just very glad that there was a recognition that we were in the pandemic. People weren't able to take leave as they normally would and that they were able to roll over uh, an additional uh, 60 hours at maximum. And, in this, addition to the and this is a, a, a one-year provision, right? It's only going to apply yes. for this yeah, year. Yeah, we've heard now. nothing about it going into 2022. We'd love for it to, but we haven't heard anything on that. One thing that IRS tends to do in the management side, they don't tend to give employees benefits unless they absolutely feel they have uh, total solid uh, backing in other parts of the government, like the Office of Personnel Management, which is the HR uh, department for the federal government, essentially. And um, you know, we've, uh, we as a union at NTEU have pushed uh, the agency to, for, for example, allow administrative time to get COVID testing. That didn't work. Well, now since we have an older workforce in a lot of ways, there are many people who are now eligible to go get vaccinated uh, with the new COVID vaccines that are available. Uh, now in Indiana, you can start making an appointment if you're as young as 65. Um, and uh, it, I think it's important to know that we may not have been able to get much headway on the testing, but with COVID vaccination, we really do think the government in general and the agencies in particular have an interest in vaccinating people, keeping them healthy, keeping them working. So we're working hard on this. We haven't uh, haven't been successful yet, but uh, there is at least uh, the possibility uh, we may win on this. Well, do you, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, we're really pushing hard. Uh, both OPM and with uh, IRS 
because in our eyes, you know, you're allowed administrative time to get a flu vaccine. And in our eyes, getting uh, a vaccination for COVID is, is the same thing. The unfortunate thing is, is when you get up to executives at high levels, not just IRS, but across the government, finding executives that really care about employees is about as easy as, you know, me finding um, dates at my age uh, being unattached now. It's possible, but you really, really, really have to work hard. And sometimes it could take months to find them. Well, I don't want to go down that road. So let's move. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess I'm just lucky. I don't have to deal with that. But anyway, I, I want to talk about Mike Causey. You know, the last time I talked to you about Mike Causey, I think was when uh, he had uh, been one of the speakers at your last convention in Puerto Rico. And let me talk about that for a moment, because I just understand that the anytime it's an even, uneven number, an odd-numbered year, NTU has a national convention. It was scheduled to be in Detroit this year. Uh, you've just shared with me the information that that Detroit uh, uh, convention will not happen in Detroit this year. It will two years from now. Uh, but this year will be a virtual convention. Now, I've been to NTU conventions when I was the vice president of the chapter. I was a voting member at that time. Uh, I'm trying to how do you do a convention virtually? This is going to be a really difficult thing to pull off, don't you think? I think it's going to be an extremely difficult thing to pull off. Uh, but I have every confidence that our national staff is going to be able to figure out how to do it. And the most important things that have to be done are votes, whether it's voting on particular amendments or bylaws that we need to uh, keep pushing on for the federal government as a whole, because this involves not just IRS chapters, but every NTU represented chapter. So it spans many, many, many different federal agencies. So they're going to have a tough time with that, as well as the, uh, the voting in of our terms for our area vice presidents is every two years. So our district vice president, Susan Wright, who couldn't be with us this week because she's doing volunteer work related to COVID because that's just how Susan is because she's just freaking wonderful. You know, she's up for re-election, so they're going to have to figure out how to do uh, voting for things like that. You know something, you know, I certainly hope Susan, if she wants to run for re-election, wins. She's done a great job for everyone. But I, I have to tell you, uh, one thing that I used to do when I would go to a convention, George Bilkey and I would go in those days, uh, you always brought a book with you. And the reason you would bring a book with you is because there were roll call votes. And I think we had just over 200 chapters at that time. I don't know how many there are now. A roll call vote means you call every chapter. So I, you know, and it doesn't, it's, it's not a quick process, is it, Duncan? Uh, I can, I can, wow, can I speak on that topic? Uh, absolutely, it's not a quick Well, how are you going uh, how, how, how to do that virtually? Are you going to have like uh, just voting electronically or will they do roll call votes on Zoom or whatever technology they're using? I think that's to be determined exactly how I'm, I'm sure National NTU has a plan that has not been shared yet, but I know that they've taken a look at that, uh, that type of thing. I will say that if there are there are sometimes chapters that will call for specific votes 
uh, a way that could be dealt with much more quickly. Um, if I see something like that happening, I may hop a plane to go to where that person is just to smack them upside the head like Gibbs <laughs> does to Denozo. Um, oh, that's funny. Well, to stop yeah. that kind of thing. So I got off I got off track there, but uh, Mike Cosby had an article. He has it to a federal federal news uh, radio, I think it is. Fed, they've changed their names, Fed Newsweek or something. But you'll see uh, updates that we will post occasionally on our Facebook site with himself and some other writers at that particular website, which is dedicated to federal employee issues. His article today was really interesting. Uh, he, he did an introduction about Sigmund Freud. I won't get into that. But he did uh, make the point, and I've been hearing this since the 90s, that, oh, my goodness, all federal agencies in general, IRS in particular, you know, we hired all these baby boomers and all that in the 60s. Now, all of a sudden, we're they're all going to retire at the same time. We're going to be a... Uh, we're not going to have any institutional knowledge. We're not going to have anybody around who can really uh, understand how things have gone in the past. We're going to lose all that all of a sudden. But you know something, Duncan? Even though that was the expectation, that really hasn't happened. A lot of people are working longer than one would expect. I find that an interesting development. Yeah, it really has. The you know The retirement tsunami, as they like to call it, like you said, has been predicted for, you know, 25 years and still really hasn't happened. I think that this year is kind of unique in the fact that there has been less people, you know, less people going in the office due to the pandemic. So retirement uh, processing was greatly slowed. I told a lot of people uh, last year that you know, they may want to wait a little bit before retiring just because of the fact it could take several months before they see anything, just because of the fact that at one point, the even the best specialists weren't even allowed to go into the office to pick up the paperwork. They are now, but they've got a big backlog. So I think a lot of people have been mindful of that. And you know that's been one of the reasons for this particular year that it hasn't been uh, greater numbers. I want to talk about our good friends at the Taxpayer Advocates Office, a very important part of uh, IRS and certainly with NTU as well. Uh, there was a town hall just right before, in fact, we uh, not, not long before we uh, started the recording of this podcast. And um, I think, you know, the one issue that always comes up whenever – uh, the taxpayer, national taxpayer advocate, has a national town hall, and she says she's going to have them at least twice a year, which is a, certainly a good thing to hear. But the big thing that you hear uh, is always about their workload. Everybody's got an, uh, an increased workload, that's for sure, and lots of inventory. But that inventory level for people in TAS, because you know the problems with coronavirus have broken down some of the systems that we've normally used at IRS. Uh, Taz has really had to pick up a big part of that load. So uh, I would have to think, I mean, there there, there are, are some efforts being made to lighten the load, but it doesn't look, there's only nothing on the horizon. It looks like it's going to, uh, their workload will get anything close to normal. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's one of those things where if you're a revenue agent or a revenue officer, they can hold those cases in the queue. They don't have to assign them to employees to work. So the inventory can remain semi-manageable. 
with Taz because of, like you said, the extreme conditions that the folks who end up in Taz, uh, you know, if they're approved to go there, that means that they've had some severe difficulties either with the system or financial hardship, and they really need to be taken care of. So that can't really be put in a queue. So it's almost like taking a fire hydrant and just, you know, wrenching it open and it just pours out. And everybody I've ever talked to in Taz and all my years in the service has been extremely dedicated to wanting to help these people. And the fact that they can't get to everybody just because there are so many cases and they know that they can't do the full job that they want to do just because, again, of the sheer numbers they're trying to get to, they're worried about that. They're worried about things like, you know, is my appraisal going to be lowered because I can't hit my timelines because, you know, my caseload is just in absolutely insane. And the national taxpayer advocate, to her credit, said that, you know, there should be discussions between the managers and the employees, and this should not impact that, you know, because of the fact that, you know, this in utterly nuts caseload, and you also have to factor in that there were several months where, you know, they'd usually talk to somebody in a service center. Well, there was nobody in a service center to talk to because they were out due to their virus as well. So there's just a whole big number of factors that they're trying to get their, you know, trying to work through their inventory and their overload. And it is an overload in every sense of the word. And, you know, it was just good to hear that there was some recognition that we understand what you guys are going through and we're not going to punish you for it. And, you know, speaking of that, uh, you know, that causes burnout, whether you're in TAS or some other job where the workload and just the pressure has been so tough. There's been a lot of talk and there's been some recent articles in some of the federal employee press about employee burnout within the federal sector. And uh, I think we need to remind people, if you if you really feel like things are getting to you, there is help. Where do you go for help in that case, Duncan? Yeah, you go to the Employee Assistance Program, EAP. It's, you know, everybody's got, you know, we had a huge caseload issue for everyone before the pandemic. Then you throw in, you know, the pandemic, you've got fewer people working. The cases are piling up. You're not able to go into the office. So you're almost like, you know, you're just sitting there at home saying, okay, I don't have an opportunity to escape the work. You know, it's there when I get up in the morning, it's there at the weekend, it's there when I go to bed. Um, it's not expected that you work those, but in the back of your mind, because we have such dedicated employees, that's what they're thinking. So burnout is a absolute natural progression of this. And, you know, reach out to EAP. You can get a couple of counseling sessions and anybody who says a counseling session you know, is not for them or, you know, is something that weak people need or something like that is absolute hogwash. I'll be nice and say hogwash because everybody needs to talk things out. You need to get this burden off your chest. You need to be able to talk to somebody who can help you and tell you that, you know, it isn't you that's, that's bad or doing this. It's the situation. Don't carry the world on your shoulders. So, you know, whatever it takes for you to do that, be it EAP, be it a, a private therapist, um, you know, if you're involved in your um, 
religious activities, church, mosque, synagogue, whatever it is, or family or friends, if they're willing to listen and able to help you. Anything that can help you reduce that feeling of just, you know, I'm just wanting to, to beat my head against the wall because it's just so much and it's been so much and I don't see an end to uh, in sight. Yeah, I think we just have to, to to overcome the stigma of that because we, if you need help, you need it. You know, just like you need help if you break your leg, you need help if you're badly burnt out, and and your and it, your mental health is is just as important as your physical health, and you do need to take care of it. One last thing I want to ask about, uh, ask to, for you to talk about is Black History. We're right smack dab at a Black History Month now. And why I think Black History Month is important is I look back on my own education and just realize how little black history I ever learned. There was only a tiny amount. For example, uh, how many people know about the Red Summer of 1919? If you don't, Google it, and you'll be surprised what you find. Uh, Think about what happened to the Greenwood neighborhood, what was called the Black I think they called it the, uh, the the Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma. What happened to that? You know, try to Google that sometime. It's been integrated to a couple of uh, recent entertainment series uh, on HBO. But this has been recent that, and it was I was an adult before I started reading and learning about these sorts of things. So I think that we all are lacking in understanding Black history in America. It's four hundred years old. So I, I think during Black History Month, NTU is trying to, um, we, we send uh, reminders on our, our Facebook page when we get information we think that uh, you ought to know. And uh, I, I just would encourage anyone to just do a little checking. Just look on, there's plenty of things online you can find during Black History Month. It's important history, and I don't think it has been receiving in, in our history the kind of uh, attention that it deserves any any thoughts uh, along that line from you duncan yeah i i think you're you're spot on you we need to everyone uh needs to learn more about black history to be able to you know fight the issues some of the issues that we're still coming up with today you know the uh, things that happen you know each and every day I go back to, you know, DWB, driving while black. That doesn't happen to uh, Caucasians. That happens to African-Americans. You know, and it's a, you have to understand the history of everything, the tragedies that have occurred, the accomplishments that they've made, to understand how, you know, we're all equal. Everybody is the same. You know, I one of the things that I'm proudest of that my daughters retained as I always told her, you know, race, creed, color, sex, gender, doesn't matter. Are you a jerk or are you not a jerk? To judge someone by the color of their skin, to me, is the dumbest thing you can ever do. And if you're not, if you don't learn about what has caused some of the um, the issues that your African-American friends will talk to you about, if you don't learn what caused that, how can you learn to understand it and make sure that history never repeats itself? Well, on our next podcast, we'll have Duncan Giles define a jerk. <laughs> I'm sure you do have a definition somewhere in the back of your mind. 
Well, uh, yeah, I was using jerk as a uh, a nice word. That wasn't the actual word that I taught her, but I'm okay. I'm trying to keep the podcast PG thirteen. Yes, and we appreciate that, Duncan. I don't want to go back editing. There's a lot of work, you know. Uh, any any final thought in the last minute here? Uh, the only thing I do want to touch on is make sure that if you're getting ready to do your taxes now, the tax season is opening up. To go on the NTU website, take advantage of the free tax um, filing that you'll be able to do for yourself and your family. I just received an email this morning from somebody who, a uh, longtime revenue agent, I won't say how long he's been around, but I think he audited uh, Methuselah when he was young, and he said that uh, he saved over $80 over last year's filing, including the state return. So it's a, you know, it's a great benefit to have for, um, for this. And I want everybody to avail themselves of it. Yeah. In fact, we're recording this on February 11th and people often listen after this date after we post it. So, uh, February 12th is the first date you can e-file. So, we would encourage people to e-file, wouldn't she, Duncan? It's just I think the people in, in processing have got enough to do right now. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be part of that still million-plus documents sitting there in the trucks. You definitely want to e-file. You don't want to be a million and one. That's not a bad. Pl- that's not a good place to be. Okay, thank you, Duncan. You just heard Duncan Giles, president of NTEU Chapter 49. My name is Larry Landon, volunteer and retiree. Uh, I'm with Chapter 49, helping out with communications. So we thank you very much for listening. You can listen to this podcast just about every place you find podcasts. All you have to do is search under Podcasts by Larry Lannan, L-A-N-N-A-N. I do a number of podcast series. Just look for the Chapter 49 podcast in that list, and you can uh, listen to any of the podcasts that uh, we have done. So thank you once again for listening, and I would ask you all to please be kind and be safe.